Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome uh, to breakfast and the class. Dedicated in loving memory and Lilu Nishmat Avraham ben Aharon, Alava Shalom, sponsored by his granddaughter Sheba Hurizadeh. Breakfast in the class is also dedicated in loving memory of Bertwek, Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmat Avraham ben Altun, Alava Shalom, whose Askara is next week. May his love and respect. Uh, for Torah and mitzvot continue to strengthen our community and Am Israel. Beautiful. Sponsored by his grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Breakfast and class is also dedicated loving memory to Nishmat Adina Bat Aviva Vioram. May her memory, actions, and deeds live on forever, just like Yaakov Avinu in this week's parasha, sponsored anonymously. Also, some beautiful dedications today. Okay. Um, my friends, I want to quote to you a line of the Berachot of Yaakov Avinu. And I must say, I was incredibly inspired reading through the Berachot many, many times over this past week. Yaakov Avinu gives each child a Beracha, each child given a Beracha specifically according uh, to their uh, Berachot, to their, uh, you know, their, uh, uh, their potential and their uh, opportunity. Um, and I thought to myself, first of all, what a beautiful father that is, that is able to understand the nature of each one of his different kids and find something unique to speak to each one about. Uh, it inspired me to think a little bit more deeply when I give my classes, uh, you know, uh, you, know you, th- you, give, you give all these classes about raising kids and you talk about this idea about uh, finding something special about each kid. Where does that start? And I thought maybe a beautiful place for that to start is in the Berachot. On Friday night you bless your kid bring something unique into that blessing when you bless the child. A beautiful way of constantly focusing and refocusing your attention on what's special about Sam, about what's special about uh, Yitzchak, about Rivka, about uh, Isaac, about Jake. Okay, so um, I want to talk to you today about one beracha. The Pasuk says uh, about Yisachar, Yisachar Hamor Garem. Yitzhahar is a, uh, a big-boned donkey. Shema Yisrael. <laughs> With friends like these, who needs enemies? With berachot like these? <laughs> you tell your kid, Yahmar! <laughs> yeah, you donkey. What, you what kind of thing is that? And I, I want to quote to you a beautiful line that's expressed in the Mishnah and Avot. The Mishnah and Avot that we're all familiar with says, um, about getting up in the morning. It's the opening line of the Shulchan Aruch. Anyone? Person should get up. Get up like a lion in the morning. Where does that come from? It comes from Yehuda ben Tema Omer. Heve. You should be light like an eagle. You should run like a deer, right? You should be, uh, what's it called? A brazen like a leopard and, uh, and, and strong like a lion to do the will of your God. Asks, uh, what's it called? Ask many of the Mepharshim. I think it's the Ben Ishchai where I saw it first. Where he asks, why do I got to be an animal? <laughs> why can't I run like a Shlomo and fly like a Shlomo? And I don't know. You Tell me, you know, be light like Yaakov Avinu. 
Every guy over here is sitting there, you read the Mishnah, you have to understand the Mishnah. Instead of reading the commentary, you turn on National Geographic. I don't know, what is, what is the Mishnah asking me to do? Right? What's the... The Ben Ishchai says something magnificent. He said, he says that what the Mishnah is communicating is, I don't want you to be light. I don't want you to run. I don't want you to uh, uh, be strong. I want your strength to be the strength of a lion. What's the Mishnah communicating? And this is so beautiful. It's not telling you, be strong, as strong as a lion. It's not measuring the quantity of strength that a lion has, and I want you to have that amount. What the Mishnah is saying, says the Ben Ishchai, is that I want your strengths in life to be natural to you. To be something that you uh, learned so much by habit that by now it's ingrained in your psyche. When a lion is strong, the lion doesn't go to the gym. The, the lion doesn't, you know, how much do you lift, bro, right? The lion doesn't figure out slowly but surely how to be a stronger lion. It's the process of his life, the hunting, the, you know, the protection of his, of his uh, pride that ultimately makes the lion into a naturally strong predator. The way that the leopard hunts is different to the way that other animals hunt. Why? Because it's willing to be brazen to take on jobs that are bigger than itself. Who taught the leopard to do that? It was a, as a natural element emanating from its very soul, from its essence, from the nefesh bahamit, the animal-like soul that animals are imbued with. Yes, even animals have some level of a soul. So Rabotai, what the Mishnah is teaching us is to develop these traits until they get to a place where it's just natural. I want to share with you the idea surrounding Yisachar. What is the natural strength of a donkey? Yisachar is called Hamor Garem. We're not calling him a Hamor. We're not calling Yisachar a Hamor. We're saying that his essence, his attribute, his spiritual power is a power of lifting. Let's say as an example, in times of old, you know, a person was running a farm. So they'd be the person that works very quickly, that picks the apples the fastest. Guy, he makes you a lot of money because he spends the least amount of time in the field. You have another guy who's a rise, he's a, you know, he's the fastest uh, horse driver ever, right? Um, he delivers things faster than anybody else. His name is Gematria Amazon. This guy, he delivers the fruit faster than anyone else. Yeah, people want to buy from you because the apple gets there. Ya'ani Prime, okay? Amazing. Every guy on the farm, they have their use. But there's one guy, he's not fast, and he doesn't know how to ride a horse, and he's too expensive to ride the horse because he's so heavy. But the guy, the only guy that can lift the pallets and that could carry the things, and that could lift the barrels of apples into the thing, is this strong man. That's Yisachar. His function was to do literally the heavy lifting for Am Yisrael. And what is the heavy lifting of Am Yisrael? Yisachar Hamurgan, what does he do? Right? Vayar Menucha Kitob. He sees that Menucha, that rest, is good. And the land is beautiful. 
and he puts his shoulder down. Load me up. Hit me. Come on. What do we got? Bring it. Bring it. The Mifarshim asks that there seems to be a contradiction in terms. What should the Pasuk say? And Yisachar saw, right, that the rest was good. I don't know if this ever happened to you. For me, I don't know. I'm sure Rabbi Mizrahi will agree. You know when you really need a vacation? Yeah, you know when you're really physically exhausted, emotionally spent, you just need a vacation. Ever happened to you? Sure. So six months overdue. <laughs> you're six months ahead of me then, Rabbi. <laughs> six months overdue, you need a vacation. So what do you do? You think, okay, where am I going to go? Nobody goes on vacation like Jews, by the way. The first thing we want to know is, not anything else, where's their food? Okay, let me see the kosher food. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's amazing. The first thing is kosher food. Where's the kosher food? Okay, that limits the world to like four destinations. That's why when you go to Miami in certain week, the whole world is there. No, everyone made the same cheshbon as you. Dubai is full of Jewish people, right? Amazing. Now, so there, but there, this is how it works. So what do you do? The first thing you do, you go online. And what do you see? You see the hotel, and they're all the same. All these hotels are the same. You look up, has the hotel. that has the drone shot of the hotel slowly rising. And then it moves into the hotel, and it shows the bed with the thing, with the sheets and the pillow. And you're thinking, forget the view. Shoof, this bed. You're so exhausted, right? That's Olam Haba right over there. You're thinking, I wonder what the thread count on that, on that baby is. Right? You're thinking to yourself, you're already in the zone. And it's like, come relax. <laughs> Let your senses unwind. Right? After 10 seconds of watching this commercial, I'm a, I feel like I already went on a vacation. Right? Now I'm sitting here, I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, so I, if it's me, right? by the time that commercial is over, you search through the things, you think, take my money. Yeah, how much you want? Just, I don't mind. Whatever room you want to put me in. This looks like Olam Maba. You already spent the money. Chalas. Okay? Rabotai. The end of the Pasuk should be, Vayar Menucha Kitov. He saw relaxation. Kitov. What should it say? And he nammed for a week. <laughs> That's what Pasuk should say. And he yanked out his nargila. I don't know, right? Was that, he saw relax. That's relaxing, right? What's how does it? How's it possible that Yisachar sees relaxation? I sees it's all beautiful, and he's like, he wants to work. My first reaction reading this pasuk because we all know people like this. They're at their most comfortable. They're at their happiest. Not when they're on vacation, when they're working. Take them on vacation, after 10 minutes, they're taking business calls. They can't. They're most comfortable working. They're workaholics. For them, work is vacation. Vacation is work. <laughs> okay? What is the vacation that Issachar so desperately wants, that he so naturally is attenuated to? So... And how does a person achieve that state of flow or zen that work is, is vacant? How does that happen? Our rabbis tell us that Yisachar toiled in Torah. He studied Torah to such a level where his Torah was not just something that he sat back and listened to, but his Torah was work. It was heavy lifting. 
That's one of the things I always encourage people to do is classes are wonderful to learn, expand your knowledge, be inspired. But ultimately, unless you're opening the book, unless the class is stretching you, you're not, you're not being amel batorah. You're not toiling in Torah. You don't have this pasuk. So how does a person, if they know that learning Torah is hard, that doing mitzvot sometimes is difficult, how does a person do that? How, does he, how do you change uh, your perspective? How do you change that? So there's a beautiful uh, story that actually encapsulates this idea very beautifully. Um, there was a Jewish guy who, he was in diamonds. You ever meet someone from Belgium? One time I met someone from Belgium. I said, oh, what do you do? He starts telling me something. I said, oh, not diamonds. Baruch Starts laughing. I never met someone from Belgium that doesn't do diamonds. <laughs> right? Anyway, so he's like, anyway. So I was like, <laughs> I, I, made, I was making a birachot on him all day. I was, never met anyone like this. So there's people, that's their business. This guy, diamond guy, Belgium, right? He travels all the way to the Far East. He travels, I don't know where, he tra- I don't know where, you get, where he's getting diamonds from. Africa, blood diamond, okay? He travels, he brings all of his money. He buys stones. He's going to set himself up now for a whole year of... Uh, you know, he's obviously locked the briefcase to his arm. You know, he's looking everywhere he goes. Baruch Hashem, he makes it to the airport. As he gets to the airport, all of a sudden, honking, 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 guy behind him gets out of the car. He says, please, give me three minutes of your time. He says, what's the matter? He says, I was waiting to meet with you the whole time you were in Africa. He says, I tried making an appointment with your office in New York to spend time with you, but they couldn't, they couldn't, uh, with your office in Belgium to make time with you. But they, they, couldn't, they, could, they couldn't find a time that worked. He says, so I went to your hotel and I was waiting. And all of a sudden I saw out of the corner of my eye that you must have walked out the hotel another way. I got in the cab and I followed you. It took me to the airport. He said, I see you leaving back home. He says, please, I need three minutes of your time. Okay. Three minutes. He checks his flight. He's okay. He takes him into a side room. They sit down. The guy opens up, he has a satchel there, he says, listen, I haven't here diamonds like you never saw in your whole life. The guy says, Rohi, you're too late. I, I spent all the money that I came with. I have no money left. The only money I have left over is my $3,000 that I'm now going to pay cash. Remember we used to do, remember cash was king? Right now you just tap your phone on everything, right? Yeah. I bring $3,000 cash. I have to pay for my first class ticket um, back home from Africa. And I'm also stopping off in some, uh, uh, there's a stopover where I'm stopping over two days. It's bo- this $3,000 is my first class ticket and, and my hotel and some food when I'm, you know, I don't have any money. He couldn't go to the bank. It wasn't like that time where you can go to the bank and pull out money in Africa. Rabotai, the guy says, listen, I promise, just look at the stones. You'll see how unique they are. He says, I'll give them to you for a tenth of the price. I'm desperate for the money. I have a family situation, right? Please. The guy says, I told you, I don't have the money. Anyway, he says, just look. He opens the satchel. The guy's looking at the stones. In his life, he never saw pieces like this. The clarity, the brilliance, unbelievable. He says, how much you want for this one? The guy tells me, I told you, 10%, I'll, I'm willing to let, if you have the money now, 10% I'll give you. 
Okay, says 10%. He says, what's the, like, what are you taking for it? He goes, I'll give you that for $1,000. The guy knows it's a stone that he'll sell for 10 grand. How much is this one? 800. How much is this one? He says, listen, I have my first class ticket I want to buy. I have my five-star hotel. I have my food. He says, you know what? For stones like this, I'll travel cargo class, okay? $500 ticket. I'll stay in a, what's it called? In the cheapest motel with rats, okay? For me, another maybe $100 for, for two nights. And I'll eat the, whatever they give, bring me. I'll have some cereal for two days. I'll eat, uh, you know, bread and vegetables. These stones, you're right, once in a lifetime. How much has he left over with? $2,200. He buys everything that he can buy for that at prices like he never saw, stones he never saw. He gets the stones, puts them with his, with his uh, goods, he gets on the plane. Anyway, as he's boarding the plane, he sees a fella, a guy he knows from back in Belgium. And the guy says, oh, how you doing? How's everything? He says, oh, Baruch Hashem, thank God. They get to that crucial place. That place, I kind of think, which is going to be like what happens in Shammai. You know when you get on the plane, and some people turn left. And some people turn right. <laughs> and some people turn right and then go for a, a hike, you know, to the back of the back, 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 right? In Shamayim, I feel like that's going to happen a little bit. You know, you're going to get there. I don't know, I hope I'm going to be a part of the guys who get to turn left. But, right, you get there and the Malachim are going to be like, right this way, Rabbi Foy. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. <laughs> right? You're like, Can I take your bags? I don't know, I, I'm imagining, right? Anyway, listen, this is amazing. He, he gets on the plane and he turns right. First time in maybe 30 years. Very successful businessman. As he's turning right, the guy with him says, Rabbi, he goes, what happened? You were always one of the wealthiest people in the community. Ya'el lecha to be over here. The guy says, no. Anyway, they keep walking. They're walking through the business class section. The guy's looking, he sees he, the, the rich man don't stop. Keeps going. He gets to the pri, pri, premium economy. The, the, he doesn't stop. He keeps going. Finally, the guy behind the rich man, he says, this is my stop. I'm over here. I brought the premium economy, which is uh, basically the same thing as economy, but you get to feel like you're better than people. Okay? That's the, I think that's the difference between economy and premium economy. So he says, he goes, this is me, right? He says, what happened? What happened to you? The man says, come to my seat in two seconds. Let me get my stuff. And he sits down, puts his stuff. He says, the guy comes over, he goes, is everything okay? He says, he opens up, he's got a little satchel. He shows him like this, diamonds. He says, look, I had the money, I put it aside, I was supposed to travel. You know, I, you know, worst you know, he goes, but you know what first class is. You know, it must be difficult. He goes, it's not difficult. They get to this uh, stopover where they're stopping. They, you know, this guy had that gets a cab to a, a decent hotel. The other guy is Yani Motel 3.3, not even Motel 6. He says, you go, hey, it must be, so di- must be so difficult, must be so difficult. Every time he sees him eating in the kosher place, he only has the bread. He goes, he goes it's not so difficult. It's not so difficult. It's not so difficult. He says, how are you managing? He says, every time. My, my backside is a little bit, uh, you know, falling asleep in the economy chair. Every time my stomach was grumbling because I only had the food, only had the bread. Every time 
I heard the, the, the sounds of the rats in my hotel room. All I did was, he says, I opened up my satchel for two seconds. And I just looked at these diamonds that I had bought with that money. And I knew that the amount of money I'd make on what I'd purchased was so far away from the little comfort that I would have if I'd spent two days living it up and instead spent two days a little bit more difficult that immediately my hunger just disappeared and my discomfort disappeared. Yisachar says, He saw that rest and relaxation was beautiful. So he lowered his shoulder to take it on. When a person understands that what he has is diamonds, diamonds, the things that surround that story, they just fade away into some sort of blur and they stop mattering. When do we experience moments like this? A person's in a hospital and someone that they love is not so well. Everything else that was so important two minutes ago, it's just out. Right? You were thinking, thinking, should we buy the house? Should we not buy the house? Should we go? The doctor says, look, we can do this. It will save their life, but it's a little pricey. What are you going to say? Well, how pricey? <laughs> can, you know, can I make it in installments? You know, do you accept visa? What do you, you tell them, do whatever you need to do. It's everything else just fades away. So Rabotai, the first thing that is required from a human being to work hard, and working hard at work, that's the way you succeed. Working hard in Torah, that's the way you succeed. Working hard on your marriage, that is the way you succeed. There's nobody who skates. No such thing. You take your wife for granted, your marriage falls apart. You don't spend time with your children, your relationship with them falls apart. There's no easy routes to success. None. Zero. But the Pasuk is communicating to us over here. You know what it is that allows Issachar to work so hard, so naturally? He's, he's focused on how precious his diamonds are. Rabotai, uh, I had a conversation recently with a, an old friend of mine. And he was talking about how his life is, is difficult. And he's going to listen to this today. And I hope he hears this. Because he listens all the time to the classes. And he called me about difficult problems and this and then difficult problems and that. And, difficult, and I sat with him on the phone and I just said to him, <laughs> if we would have talked about this back in the day, you having the family you have, you being the man that you are, you being able to study Torah in the way that you're studying, your children being exceptional. But the price for that would have been what, what, where your business is today. To tell me for one second that that is not a successful, beautiful life. It's just so out of whack crazy for me that, that all of his kids like him that he has a great marriage, that his wife has invested 100,000% in building each one of the kids. So what if the house is a little bit messy or difficult? Rabotai, the only way to be able to do the work is to see the value. And if you see the value, nothing else matters. Look at your wife and say, what a sadeket she is. You know what she does? 
the way she prepares for the family, how she nurtures the kids, how she gave up her own life and career. What did she give up? Everything. She, her whole life is the kids. I come home, look at what she's prepared. And then you're moaning about the fact that she spent a little bit more money on clothes that you wanted. Come on! Come on! That's a bargain! That's a guy meeting you in a room in the, in the airport saying, I'll give you gold for, te- for 10%. Uh, you know, on the dollar. Pennies on the dollar. Pennies on the dollar. But the first thing has to be in the way you perceive the value of what it is that you're working so hard for. Rabotai, each mitzvah is a gold mine. And I'll end with this. Rabbi Yehuda Sadka was an elderly Sadiq, a great leader in the Sephardic community. He was asked once by a young man to come do a brit milah on Shabbat. He was already older. He didn't think back, forth, back, forth, till finally he decides, you know what? It's such a big mitzvah. I'm getting older. I don't know how much longer I'll be able to make the trek to another neighborhood far away in the heat. I'm going to go. He goes with the gabai. He brings his, uh, his, uh, you know, his knife, his everything. They walk all the way. How far is it till they finally get to, this, uh, to the house? The rabbi is exhausted. He's sweating. He sits down. They get him a cup of water, wipes his face. And the Brit Milah is not, you know, it's not happening. 20 minutes, half hour. What's going on? He sees the father, the Bala Brit, is running around. He's all, you know. So he asks, what's, what's happening? The father of the, the grandfather of the baby comes and he says, Rabbi, I don't know how to say this to you, but he says, but my son, he feels very, very bad. He knows he asked you to come do the Brit Milah, but there's another Mohel that he actually spoke to, and that Mohel is here. And he doesn't know how to tell the rabbi that actually he'd prefer the other Mohel to do the Brit Milah. So that's why things are getting delayed. He feels very flustered. He's trying to come up with the words. But I'm, you asked me, so I'm being honest. Rav Sadka looks at the guy. He says, tell your son, that I don't mind. If he wants the other guy to do the Brit Milah, no problem. Fadal. It's okay. Okay, five more minutes go by, 10 more minutes. Nothing. He goes back to the grandfather. He says, what's happening? He says, he feels terrible, but after he told the other Mohel that he'd like him to do the Brit Milah, the Mohel realized that he left his... uh, his Brit Milah kit at home. So they're trying to figure out who's going to walk back and get the... He says, would you mind? Would you mind giving him your kit? Now, you should just know, it's not like a disposable item. These, these are tools that a person, you don't just give to somebody else. Without even thinking one second. Fadal, here, yeah, gives him the... Not only the chutzpah of bringing a gadol all the way, difficulty, the heat, everything. Now you choose someone else. Then you come here. You could, you know. Now you turn the rabbi into a, you know, into a luggage boy. The shamash says to the rabbi after he gives him the thing after the brit milah is underway. He says, Rabbi, how'd you, how'd you do that? How'd you manage to remain composed? The rabbi said, We're talking about. He says, it was one of my most precious mitzvot. Why? He says, every time you do a mitzvah, you have to worry that you didn't do the mitzvah perfectly. 
You have to worry that you did the mitzvah and you got kavod and you, you felt great about it. Someone told you how wonderful you did or you knew when you were doing it that people were going to give you honor. You didn't do it in Shem Shamayim. He says, in this situation, there is no way that my mitzvah was not L'Shem Shamayim. I walked all the way. They didn't give me the mitzvah. Then they came to me to ask me to use my tools at the Brit Milah that they're not choosing me. They're choosing someone else to do. And I gave it willingly. I'm happily giving. He goes, but I got zero kavod. If anything, I was embarrassed. And still, I was part. I came willing, ready, and able to do the mitzvah. That's a diamond. Think about the diamonds that we have on a daily basis. The ability to make someone smile. The ability to help someone out with a kind word, with a couple of dollars. Think about the opportunity we have with our children to spend a couple minutes making them feel great about themselves, bringing out their unique character traits, telling them what is so naturally beautiful. What a mitzvah that is. Being nice to your wife. Number one, it's a great mitzvah. Number two, it's a fantastic strategy. <laughs> being nice, being not nice to your wife is a, is a disaster of a strategy. Okay? Now, if a person saw it this way, then although it's not easy to have a good marriage, and it's not easy to bring up kids, and it's not easy to work hard, if you were able to see, focus on your diamonds, the next time you're struggling and you're sitting in the chair and it doesn't feel so comfortable, focus on your diamonds. The next time you're in shul and you're exhausted and your eyes are not even lifting open, focus on the fact that you came to shul and you were exhausted. And that in Shamaim, God is looking at that mitzvah and he's saying, this, this guy didn't come because it was a boys club on Shabbat morning. He didn't come because they have the beverage fund. He came when there was no beverage fund and there was no guys and there was barely a minyan and it was raining outside. That was your most precious tefillah. If you see things that way, you're able to do great things. Shabbat shalom. Rabbi